We're in a sermon series uh, we've called Rest in Peace. It's about uh, how to rest. And today we're going to talk about sleep. So I should let you know that I am a sleep professional. It's about the only thing I'm really good at. Um, Some people, they're good at things because they work very hard at them. They They practice. They're instructional. They're very methodical. For some people, they're just born, like, gifted. And that's me in sleep. I am a gifted sleeper. If I'm bored, I fall asleep. If I'm nervous, I fall asleep. I, in broad daylight, in broad daylight with a 100-watt bulb in my face, I can fall asleep. I have fallen asleep with my face in the grass. I have slept. In fact, yea, I have dreamt standing up in formation in a parade, a parade rest. Rest, give a new idea to the phrase. I've dreamt in that position. I can go to sleep, wake up, go to sleep, wake up, and I, I'm none the worse. Doesn't matter. Cat naps, did it. Siestas, <laughs> for wimps. <laughs> Power naps. You name it, I've done it, right? Uh, this is pathetic. I have slept while driving. It cuts your drive time down tremendously. I have been on an airplane uh, as a passenger. Relax. I've been on an airplane um, where the stewardess has had to wake me up. And when I come to, I am the only passenger left on the airplane. Like, if I'm fortunate that I didn't sleep through the layover and end up in wherever it is people don't want to go. Milwaukee. I don't know. You know, I mean, I've, I've been totally dependent upon her saying, you are the only person here. Leave. It's just something I'm, I'm good at. And you may ask, why, why is it? How did this person get this great and mysterious gift? This is, I know, I've always liked to sleep since I was a kid, but something happened in my life that actually made me this way. And it was the freshman year of my college experience at the academy, at the Air Force Academy when I was a freshman cadet. I was so tremendously sleep-deprived for that entire year that I'd been forever changed. There were so many demands on my life during that time, and I couldn't even, I, I could never even meet them all. I'm just saying there were so many demands on my life that I hardly ever slept. Hardly ever. There could, there could be weeks where I might get less than 10 hours of sleep in a five-day week. It felt like, and maybe I'm exaggerating, but that's how it felt back then. Is, and what ended up happening is it changed me and many of those who were with me, it changed us into people who were constantly looking for an opportunity to sleep. That's what we would think about, is the opportunities to sleep. And so we slept anywhere and everywhere that we could, even when we should not have been asleep, we would try to sleep. It started in class at the academy. They're not big classes, they're small classes, 15 to 30 people. It's a really good learning environment. And in that class, it was not uncommon. In fact, it was the standard for freshmen to sleep in class. A 15-person class where two people on the front row would actually, might even have their head on the desk. We had our little flight caps and these little Air Force flight caps. You'd take them out and you'd, they're your pillow. That's what they were. That's why we have them. They're your pillow. You put it on the desk and you fall asleep and you wake up with a little braid imprinted on your forehead. You could always tell who just napped. And if you actually had to know the subject matter, 
you were expected, say you had to stay awake, but you couldn't because you were so tired, you would stand up in the back of the class. And so a regular, regular scene at that school is a room with three people sleeping and four people standing up in the back of the room. That's just how it was because we were so tired. I used to sleep on this little concrete bench in the locker room before practice. This, I had to rotate for my back because half my back hung off it. Empty classrooms. We used to push chairs together and sleep on the chairs. The academy was foolish enough to build a planetarium. We called it the sleepatarium. Actually, to spend money to build a dark room. It's insanity, these people. If I had a free weekend, I'm talking a Saturday and a Sunday with no training, I would regularly log 24 hours of sleep in those two days. In fact, I'll end with this. I had a buddy. I promise you this is true. This is absolutely true. Cross my heart. This is so good. He was so tired. He was climbing up the ladder to go to bed. It was the kind of college furniture with the bed on top of the desk. He was climbing up the ladder to go to bed. He fell asleep climbing up the ladder fell off the ladder and broke his foot. And in our community, that gets you respect. That's like battle scars. You know, like, man. But that's how we were. We were sleepaholics. We were, we were always looking for our sleep fix. And what ended up happening is we slept when we should have been awake, i.e. chemistry, and we had to be awake when we should have been asleep. We could never quite catch up or get in sync. We were always we're so frantic and so kind of frenetic about life and trying to meet the demands of life that we were, we were never awake when we should have been, which made our waking moments all the more painful. I actually had to read the chemistry textbook because I was never awake in the class. And here's the funny thing about it all. The one piece of advice that you would get from an upperclassman is this. Whatever you do, get your sleep. They would say that. Whatever you do, get your sleep. There's going to be a lot of demands. Just make sure you get your sleep. And then they would give you all the demands. But the challenge was, it takes tremendous, immense internal fortitude to decide what you're not going to do and simply go to sleep. It was just, it was too hard. In fact, I failed. I failed that test. I I kind of ran myself to exhaustion. You would, we would sleep to failure, and then you'd wake up with six pages of H's because you fell asleep on the keyboard or something. It was constantly that kind of effort instead of actually saying, I'm not going to get that done. I'm just going to accept the consequences for not having accomplished not having the shiniest shoes or whatever it was which seemed so important at the time. The problem with all that is I was never who I wanted to be or where I wanted to be or doing what I should have actually been doing at the right time. I was always kind of living a backwards world of, of kind of tired all the time and yet having to stay awake all the time because I wasn't doing or garnering what was intended in life. And this is a, an extreme example. This tiny sliver of my life was an extreme example of something that I think is not all that uncommon with people who are desperately seeking or searching for rest. It's very often, people who are tired are tired because they are not sleeping well. And they're not sleeping well because they're having a difficult time letting go of things, whether it's simply stopping the work or whether it's the emotional. We, We can take so much to bed with us 
We're lying in bed and it looks as though we're not working, but the reality is, is our soul is spinning at the same speed and our mind is spinning and our heart is spinning. And for some of us, we just simply can't seem to calm down or relax or actually enter into peaceful rest. You may sleep, but you're not resting for some of us. And I think, it's, I think this is part of the reason, is the demands of life, the issues of life that are around us, we don't know how to let them go and get our sleep. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning, is, is kind of the role that sleep plays. This is why it's important. Did you realize that one, if you follow the recommendations, one-third of your entire life will be spent asleep? A third of your whole life asleep. If you've been married for any length of time, five or more years, you have most likely spent more time with your spouse asleep than any other time in your marriage. Look at that. You've been asleep. You've been unconscious beside one another more than you've actually spent time together in the wake. That's so weird. It's weird to even think that that bed that you sleep in is, where you, is, is probably where you will spend most of your time in your entire life is that bed. Because we split all the waking moments up of all these other places, but it's the only place you keep coming back to. That's how big sleep is. I would say this. If you're searching for rest... You can go to the beach, and maybe you'll get a little bit of rest, but sleep is the daily measure of rest that God has given us. It's the number one tool for rest. More important than the beach, maybe even more important than the Sabbath, as far as receiving the rest from God. And so we're going to spend our morning looking at that. Are you all in in Psalm 121? Okay, let's look at... uh, Let's look at the first idea here. Psalm 121. Um, our focus passage is 1 through 4. I will lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Now, that's what we'll focus. I'll finish the rest because I love this psalm. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at night at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going both now and forevermore. The first idea that I want us to start with this morning is that God does not sleep. You sleep, but God doesn't sleep. And this reminds us that we are not God. Sleep is a daily reminder that you are not God. That's what it is. Every every day that we work and we toil and we labor and we, we get tired and we have to go to sleep, that is a constant reminder to us that we are, in fact, not God. There's something about it that says there's things that you cannot do. You're, you're unfit. There's not enough time in the day or talent in your life or ability or skill for you to do the things that have been asked of you, that you have to let things go. You cannot do it all. You have to sleep because you're going to get tired, because your body's going to fail, and you're going to die. Sleep is a reminder that we're not God. 
Likewise, we're reminded from this text that God does not sleep, which is very comforting. Because we've all, many of us, I believe, have been in that situation where you're taking things to bed with you, things of great import on your soul, your spirit. You're worried for a loved one. You're nervous about a big decision or something like that, and you can't, you can't get to sleep. Well, the reality is, is you have to sleep. You're not God, and you can't control this anyway, which is why you're losing sleep, because you can't control it. But God, who neither slumbers nor sleeps, can deal with this. Sleep is a reminder to say, let go. Give it to the Lord and let Him deal with those things that, are, that you are incapable of dealing with. Give it to the Lord and allow Him, who doesn't sleep or slumber, to deal with them. There is this, this great story in Kings. Elijah the prophet is on Mount Carmel and he's having a showdown with Baal or the prophets of Baal. All these prophets, 400 or so prophets. And the showdown is between Baal or the, the gods and of, of the people and the god Yahweh. And what's going on here is that the prophets of Baal are trying to conjure up the gods of Baal to ignite the offering on this altar and they're not having any kind of success. And the day winds on and they toil and they labor and they cut themselves and they exhaust themselves over it. And during the whole time, Elijah, like any good prophet, doesn't pass up the opportunity to start talking trash. That's the way he does, like any respectable prophet. So he says something. He begins to say, you can check the text. Roughly, he says this, where is, where is your gods? Are they running errands? He's, in fact, he says, maybe they're using the bathroom. He says, maybe your gods are taking a leak. He says that. He says, or maybe they're just asleep. When it's Elijah's turn, he prays, and he steps back. And fire comes from the sky and it ignites the whole pyre. Because God does not sleep, nor does he slumber. You see, when we, when we go to bed, we who are finite and tired and toilsome, we're, and we're enmeshed in the own curse of our own sin. We have too much work to do. It's part of the curse of the sin that God said we will toil. So we're toiling hard for things that are difficult to cultivate. And because of our sinfulness, we desire more than we ought to have in the first place. And so we're in this constant regime of dissatisfaction. And yet we hold on to all these things. And we exhaust ourselves. And we get to the bed. And it's time to lay down. And many of us whose souls are so restless cannot let go of these things. Yet you are not God. And he who is doesn't rest or slumber. He does work while you sleep. Sleep is a reminder that we are not God. Let's look at another psalm. Psalm 127. I'll read the first two verses. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. He grants sleep to those he loves. Peaceful rest is found in God. Sleep is a gift. Right? Sleep is a reminder that we're not God, but sleep is also a gift from God to strengthen us. Right? We get rejuvenated in our sleep and refreshed in our sleep and strengthened in our sleep. And there's this entire idea that when we wake in the new morning, there is 
whether you're a Christian or not, there's this idea that it's a new day. It's a new chance. It's a new opportunity. For some reason, passing through sleep does this. We can have a terrible day today, fall asleep and wake up tomorrow, and, and the most agnostic or secular person in the world, you name them, they still feel like, well, today is today. There's a new day. There's a new opportunity. God gives this to us. He gives this to all men, this gift of sleep and rest, which re- revives us and restores us for his work on the other side of tonight. God empowers us with sleep. And the way this is found, for those of you, and by the way, this is, this is I should tell you, who I I hope to be reaching this morning. If you're lazy and you sleep all the time, the sermon is not for you. Um, So you can go to sleep. Um, Lazy is terrible and it's sinful. I just don't think this is... I look out on the church and I don't think that's what you need to hear. I think when I look out here, I see people, many of you might know, who work too hard and strive for too much and can let go of too little and trust far too little in what God is able to do while you sleep. So this is who I'm trying to reach. Okay? If you sleep all day and then wake up and watch soap operas, well, doom on you. It's bad. And there's a lot of verses about that, but it's a different sermon. Okay? This is for those who cannot rest, who have to be in control and are always trying to hold on. And I'm here to say sleep is a reminder that you can't do it all, that you need sleep, and it is a gift of God to you. And the access to this gift is simply trust. It's trust. The access to peaceful rest in sleep is trusting, truly trusting that what's on your heart, that God will take care of it. It's, this, it's trusting that the another 15 minutes that you're going to wrestle around in the sheets trying to figure out what, how to fix this thing or how to let it go or how to make it right or why you're not who you wanted to be or what's wrong with the world or all that, that if you could just give that 15 minutes to God, He could do something life-changing with it. It's the ability to say to God, I'm not you and I'm tired. And it's God's opportunity to say, I know that. Go to sleep. Because I am not tired. God does not toil. He has no half-life. He's not fading away. There's an ironic idea that God doesn't sleep, but Jesus did. Jesus was God, but he was also man. And he's in the back of the boat. Remember last week in Mark 4, he's in the back of the boat, big storm. Everybody's nervous, and Jesus is in the stern sheet on a pillow, resting, and he's asleep. Why? How is it that you get that kind of rest? That kind of sleep comes from trusting abandonment into the Father. Of saying all of these things, these career decisions, these marriage decisions, these family decisions, these these feelings, all these kinds of feelings that you and I wrestle with all the time of letting them go. Why isn't my business doing well enough? Why isn't my job going where it wants to be? Why aren't my children who they should be? Why is my health suffering? Am I about to die? All of these things have to go before the Lord. You are violating the gospel of Jesus Christ when you do not give this to God. You're saying... That he is not enough. That's what you're saying. 
you're saying that you have to hold on to something in order to make it right. When he's saying, I'm making everything new. That's what's at stake. Sleep doesn't just remind us of our mortality. It's also a gift from God to preserve our mortality. It doesn't simply remind us that we're not God. It's a gift from Him to renew us so that we can do the things He wants us to do in the right way. Instead, sometimes we walk along life strung out, full of anxiety and stress and pressure because we do not rest when we should be resting. Then we kind of compromise the things we should be doing because we're not rested. I see this all too often in the church, how the church is so tired when it gets home from work that it has no energy for the church. Rest is a gift. Let's look at one more idea. Psalm 4. I'll read the whole psalm as soon as the pages stop turning. You know, we don't know what the word Selah means. That's why it's always printed in your psalm. If you've ever been curious, we just leave it untranslated because we don't know what it means. I I have a theory. I sometimes wonder if it's like a for repeat for the people. You'll see it coming at times where, like, heavy times, boom, and you'll see Selah. And I almost imagine the people having to repeat it again or it being responsively echoed so that the reader would say it or play it and the people would respond with it. That's just my theory. Who knows? But it's here twice. I thought you should know. Psalm 4, verse 1. Answer me when I call to you, O my righteous God. Give me release, relief from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. How long, O oh men, will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. In your anger, do not sin. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and trust in the Lord. Many are asking, who can show us any good? Let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. You have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. I will lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. So sleep is a reminder that we're not God. Sleep is a gift of God to restore our life. And finally, sleep is an opportunity to examine yourself before the Lord. There is, there is this singular thing that happens every night, and it's about the only time it happens to most people each day, and it's, it gets quiet. It's about the only quiet space we ever have to lay before the Lord. And, you know, we wonder why we don't hear the Lord. It's usually because the Lord speaks in a hushed whisper. And our lives are so noisy, we don't hear it. Sleep is that opportunity before everything is about to end in your life, before you're about to fall asleep and lose all control and all consciousness, 
right before you fall asleep is an opportunity to examine yourself before the Lord and to respond to him. Lord, I didn't do this today. I should have done that today. I can't do this. It's beyond me. This is bigger than I can do. I, this is on my heart. This, is, this was sinful and I'm sorry. All of this, this is you give this to the Lord at sleep. And he says, go to bed and I'll work on it. And I'll raise you up tomorrow. Someone once said that sleep is great practice for death. And it's wonderful preparation for life. And there's some truth in that. That every night that we could take, and if we can examine ourselves before, if you imagine that you're about to die, sleeping is a, is a form, it's a, it's a symbolic form of death. You are releasing all control. You're losing control. You're laying down. You're exiting consciousness. How do we even wake up? It's mysterious. We're exiting consciousness. We're, we're, we're totally at the will, at someone else's will. And God raises us up. There's this sense that each night, every single night, there's this rhythm that happens. I am not sovereign. I am going to die, and God raises me up. I am not sovereign. I am going to die, and God raises me up. Every day, I'm not sovereign. I'm going to die, and God raises me up. God seems to have desired that we had to hear that every day of our life. I tire, I toil, I labor because I am not sovereign. I will die, but he will raise me up. Do you see how every night the gospel is preached even to the most hard-hearted? You are not God. You will die, but Jesus can raise you up. This is the story. And this is this time to examine if you knew that tonight was your last night, would you not examine yourself before the Lord? Would you not say, Lord, I didn't do that and I should have. And I couldn't do that because I didn't have enough time in the day. And I'm tired because I'm a victim of the curse. And I'm sinful, so I don't do the things I ought to do anyway. Lord, I give all this to you. I ask that you forgive me of my sins so that I might fall into your sleep and experience your rest and so that you might raise me up, perfected in a new day. There's one day that this rhythm of sleeping and waking is going to transition into a spiritual reality. One day we will fall asleep, and we will not physically wake up. We will spiritually wake up. And then what is, to us now, spiritual will be reality. And what is now physical will simply have been some kind of parable, pointing all the time towards this idea that you are not God, you're toiling and you're laboring. You need to rest in him and he will raise you up. Sleep is a reminder of who we are and who we are not. It's a gift of God. And it's an opportunity to examine yourselves. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about rest in some broader ways. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about Sabbath rests and then vacations and holidays and all these sorts of things. What happens, I think, among our people is we don't get the basic forms of rest in a regular sort of way. So we are somewhat, in a, low, you know, in a mild sense, we're sleep-deprived or we're restless in our sleep and we're restless in our sleep. And then we go on some big vacation hoping to gain what we couldn't get. You, if you cannot get in God's daily installment the kind of rest you need, I have to say, I would not expect to get it on some fancy vacation. You cannot purchase the rest of God. 
You cannot purchase. There is no theological idea in Scripture that is not unaffor- that is unaffordable. There's just nothing about God that the poorest of the poor can't enjoy. So I'm telling you, the answer is not in Maui or at the beach or at Disney World. I love those places, but it's not there if you are not enjoying it in a daily installment. I think you're going to have a hard time finding And I'll say this, this last part. This, is, this has, has to push at some place. In our culture, our medicating culture, where everything is a medical diagnosable condition, I'm here to say that maybe your inability to not get sleep is spiritual and not medical. I'm not a doctor, so I can't diagnose the medical condition, but I am I am assigned and obligated to speak regularly about the illness that infects us all, which is sinfulness. And that illness produces in us a proclivity towards further illness. And so I'm saying that maybe you don't, maybe the reason you can't sleep is not simply that you have a a medicated condition. Maybe there's something at the heart of it that you're masking with medicine. We have all met the person who is on sleep medication who is a restless spirit and who either because of a weakness on our own and our ability to disciple or hard-heartedness on their own and an inability to hear, we just continue to hope, well, maybe the medicine will do it. But the reality is, is they have a soul that is not resting and they're medicating. I'm not saying that's your problem or your problem. I'm not saying it's not medical. I'm saying my job is to suggest that there is another illness for which there is no remedy but Jesus Christ and rest in Him. And we need to ask those questions. Oftentimes, even medical conditions do rise up which, which stand upon a bedrock of a, of a sinful spiritual condition. In other words, there are real medical conditions that are there because at a deeper level, we haven't been we are not in right relationship to Jesus Christ. I'm I'm offering, I'm putting it forth so that tonight you might examine yourself. God has given us rest and sleep as a gift that we might find him, that we might enjoy him, and for those of us who have received the gospel of Jesus Christ, every single day we might say, I am not God, I'm mortal, I'm tired but Jesus Christ will raise me up.